scripture passage for today, very well known, uh, especially to the Advent movement, Revelation 14, 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word, and we welcome again Brother Brother Benny Jenkins to the pulpit. Um, and we look forward to the Word of God as it is presented. Welcome. Thank you, Bernard. Well, I'm happy to be here with you this morning. I find it a pleasure. I really enjoy your potluck fellowships we have here. <laughs> They're really good. <clears throat> it's good to see all of you here. I'm several faces that I recognize. Well, this morning... I want to share this with you about the gospel, and I'll tell you the reason why this came about. About a month ago, I was listening to a Walter Veith, um Sabbath afternoon, I think it was. I was listening to Walter Veith on YouTube, and um, he was pointing out that there are a lot of winds of doctrines blowing, and they're not all bad. I mean, there's just a lot of things going on in our church, and we are a quite large organization, and there are a lot of things we could focus on. But he was pointing out that we have been given a commission, as we just read here, that our commission is to proclaim the gospel. And one other part, what's the second part? The hour of judgment, right? Which calls us to uh, responsibility to God's holy law. Accountability to God's holy law, you might say. And so, <clears throat> ever since I heard that, I was, I've thought many times about that, well, if I had to share with somebody what the gospel was, what would I tell them? What would I say is the gospel? So maybe I would just give you a few moments, if there's somebody here would like to respond. What would you think of, what, what you consider to be the gospel? The word of God. The word of God, okay. It's the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus, that's good. Okay. Uh, yeah, you might want to think about it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time up, but I'll give you a minute, and then I'm going to share with you what I perceive as the gospel being. Excuse me, I saw a hand here in the back. I was just thinking to tell the lost world that there's hope. Okay, I think that's that's very good. Yeah. Well, as I considered what the gospel means to me. I thought about. Well, of course, I've grown up as an Adventist. <clears throat> and I've thought about the different emphasis we have put on different things, whether it be the state of the dead or whether it be the judgment. or There are several things that were important. Of course, I can remember years ago hearing a message about righteousness by faith is the gospel. you know. And I think that that's, there's probably some truth to that as well. Well, <clears throat> the conclusion I came to in that is that the gospel is really God. The gospel is really knowing Jesus Christ. If you turn with me to Bible, John 17, verse 3. 
the good news, as our sister said here, the good news about God. John 17, verse 3. And this is, what everybody? Eternal life. life, That they might, what? Know Know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So, <clears throat> isn't that the gospel? Absolutely. Knowing Jesus Christ, and understanding who God is. Absolutely. So now, if you were given the privilege to reveal the gospel, of course, which I think all of us are given that privilege, and sometimes more often than others, and it comes in several different ways. You know, right now we are in the process of building a, a new shop with a barn dominium, basically, a shop house. And uh, <clears throat> I, I am, I've got some guys working with, with me there, and I say with me because I'm very much involved in the project, okay? And the lead guy, he is a smoker. He is a chain smoker. He smokes, his, one of his workers told me he smokes at least two packs a day. So it's just constantly, he can't hardly do anything without a cigarette in his mouth. Well, on one hand, it's very disgusting to me because, you know, the cigarette butts are laying all over the place. They're in, the, they're in our lift. They're just, and it's, I, uh, I hate this. Shall I, shall I say no smoking on my property? Uh, I, <laughs> how should I relate to this? Because it's, you know, it's very repulsive to me. Well, so I've just kind of battered it back and forth and I have, I've let it go, Okay. I need their help. So what I do is I go around when they don't need my help, I get my bucket and I go around picking up cigarette butts. <laughs> now that might seem kind of strange, but I, I, it gives them a testimony, I think, in the fact that you know cleanliness is godliness and I don't need trash all over my place. So I pick up, I tidy everything at the end of the day. I make sure everything is put away. It's all cleaned up. I like it when I'm, it's like I want it. I pick up the Coca-Cola cans and I <laughs> put those away, you know. And, uh, and, and this week, <clears throat> in fact, um, I think it was last week, I told him, I says, Eddie, I says, you know, it just hurts me every time I see you those po- smoking away on those cigarettes because I said, man, uh, you're young. And I think he told me he's like 36 years old. I said, you're young. You can live with it now. But I said, it's going to catch up with you. And, and, and it's, it's hurting you. So I left at that. I didn't say a whole lot more. Left at that. Well, <clears throat> oh, I think it was Wednesday. They were out there working. Okay. That's the first week, I think, that they actually played a bunch of music. Okay music that I didn't really approve of, okay? And, uh, and I thought, Lord, should I say anything about this or should I let it go, you know? Because I know that's just normal. If you go on a, on a building site, they've got it playing so loud you can hardly hear anything, you know? But anyway, so I didn't say anything the first day. The second day, I went through and I'm, I'm doing my little thing, what I got to do, Okay? Music's playing. Finally, I told Eddie, him and I were talking about the building, where these windows, we're putting in windows this week. And uh, so I told him, I said, Eddie, I, I'm, really, I'm really thankful for what you guys are doing. But I said, I said I'm a little bit different than, than many Christians. I said, but this music is very offensive to me. And I appreciate if we could be without it. And so it was very simple. I, was just, I said that little, little you know, spew there, and I dropped it and went on. We finished doing what we had to do. 
So uh, the next day, his worker, who was the one who was responsible for the music, didn't show up. <laughs> and I really wasn't for sure. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, I didn't know if it was because I mentioned about the music or if it was just that, well, Graham says uh, he calls them the lazy workers. So I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're Mexican guys. And so anyway, uh, Graham shows, I mean, Eddie shows up regularly and he's there. But yesterday, he didn't have a helper, so I was his helper yesterday. And uh, as we were working along, he gave me a measurement, and I marked it out on the purlin, and I thought I had it cut right, but I cut it wrong, about two inches too long, which thankfully it was too long because we could shorten it, you know. So he says, hey, this is not cut right. I said, well, I measured it out. So he, he, he went ahead and trimmed it because he was able to cut it, okay. So then a little while later, I says, okay, I'm double-checking all my measurements to make sure I get everything right, you know. And I handed it to him, and I said, you know, I don't want to lose my job today. So I said, here, you know. <laughs> I said, I'm trying to do my best to get this right for you. Anyway, we had a good laugh together, and we, <laughs> we, were, we had a good day. In fact, the day before, I, I forgot to tell you that his truck, some reason or another, it was start. It was, a, it was a problem with the accelerator. It was a diesel. And... Uh, <clears throat> the little connection on the accelerator broke connection on it, and he couldn't accelerate it. So I, I ended up having to take him home yesterday, not yesterday, but the day before. I had Thursday evening, I had to take him home. Well, I didn't preach at him. I thought about it, but I didn't preach at him at all. I didn't say anything to him. And uh, so <clears throat> he got a, somebody else to give him a ride on Friday morning. He showed up at work. So him and I, we were all alone yesterday. No music. We all worked. We had We had a great day together. And so it, uh, I ordered his part for him. got his part. And uh, I went yesterday about 4 o'clock. I went and picked it up at O'Reilly's and brought it back to him. And, and uh, he got his truck going. Well, you know, I felt like in, in many respects, even though I didn't preach at him, I did ask him, you know, I, oh, I, yet I had an opportunity yesterday talking about his Cokes. I said, Eddie, I said, it hurts me to see you drinking all those Cokes. I said, man, that's really hard on you. I said, you know, your body's got to simulate all that sugar, and it can't do it without calcium, which means it's going to rob from your teeth, and it's going to rob from your bones. Again, I didn't say a whole lot. Left with that. Well, he spoke up, and he said, well, he said, I used to have a beer in my hand constantly. And he said, I, I gave up the beer, and he said, now I've switched to Cokes. I said, well, maybe I ought to consider switching to Gatorade or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I did, again, try not to harp at him, but plant seeds, you know. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, of course, uh, we shook hands together, and uh, he thanked me for helping him, and he went home. Well, I was thinking about the gospel. Again, I didn't preach anything to him about, you know, the third angel's message. But I was concerned. I tried to show concern for his health and for his welfare. And I think that as you look at Jesus' life, wasn't that what Jesus did? I mean, Jesus served people and he helped them where they were. Whether it was a, whether it was a man with a withered hand or whether it was a man who was let down through the roof with a guilt-laden heart was saying, you know, the, Jesus. what was the first thing Jesus did? He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And Ella White tells him the desire of ages, she says, the burden rolled off of his shoulders in a sense his heart she says he didn't care if that was all that jesus did for him he would have been happy to die at that point because now he had peace with god 
You remember the Pharisees made it very clear that God had judged him and condemned him, and that's why he was sick. It was his own fault. And all they offered to him was condemnation. Nothing but condemnation. And so when Jesus forgave him and showed him compassion and forgiveness, the burden lifted off of his shoulders, and he didn't care if he died at that point. Because he now had peace with God. And I think, brothers and sisters, we have to remember that in working with people. Our job is not to condemn them. It's not to, you know, it's not to criticize them and put them down because they don't have a correct theology about the state of the dead or about the Sabbath or whatever. But it's our job to plant seeds in their mind. To try to help them to think in a different way. To help them to realize that God is real and God is personal. Now, you know John 3.16 from heart, I believe. Most of you do. But verse 17 is very important as well. And you remember what 17 says. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's right. And I think that the second verse is just as important as as the first verse. You see, 16 points out that God gave Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see. So God gave because he knew that, well, you remember there was a, a scripture that says, can you get an unclean, I mean, can you get something clean out of something unclean? No, you can't. We're unclean. We're broken. You know, the scripture says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You know, another scripture says, this is Psalm chapter 50, and he says, you thought I was like me, but I'm going to reprove you because I'm not like you. I'm completely different. I am the one who's given you everything you have. Psalm chapter 50 is a whole chapter about God wanting from us one thing. Thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. You see, we are constant recipients of God's grace. Constant. Yesterday I went to O'Reilly's to pick up that part, and we got to talking in there. And we were talking about the fact that I think one of the men asked me how I was doing. And I said, oh, I'm doing good. And then a few moments passed, and I said, but I got my struggles. Okay. Trying to be real as I could be with these men, you know. I've got my struggles. And they both piped up and said, yeah, life has has its struggles. And a few moments later, another one piped up. But he says, good news is that, you know, we have a lot to be thankful for. You know, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but it's like we have a joy that's, that's deeper than our struggles. And I think that you and I have the privilege of revealing that to the world around us. Revealing to them and to those that we associate with, that our peace comes deeper than just our circumstances. You see, you think about Jesus dying on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, there was nothing comforting happening. There was no, his disciples had forsaken him. He was hungry. He was thirsty. Remember he said, I thirst. He was thirsty. He was, he was dehydrated. He, he, was, he was weak. He was spiked to a a cross. 
Plus, this before he ever got there. We're told that in the courtroom, when he was allowed, the soldiers took him back in the back. She says they treated him as though never a human had been treated before. I don't, we don't have a clue. We're not even told what happened back there. I think it was that bad, you know? We know that they put a, sa- a bag over his head and hit him in the face, and they said, prophesy, who hit you? Jesus had everything indicating that he was forsaken, that he was hated, that he was not loved, and yet he did not lose his dignity. He did not lose his state of mind, his peace of mind. Brothers and sisters, you and I need to have a faith that's grounded deep, 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 deep in the word of God and in our relationship with him. Because all hell is soon to break loose. How many of you are familiar with this bill that the president signed last year in March? Is there any of you know what I'm talking about? It's bill 140, and I can't remember the last two digits. Like, I want to say 6-7, but I'm not for sure. Well, basically what he signed was is that we are, we are heading in the direction of a cashless society. And he put it in order for that process to take place. Now, it hasn't officially taken place yet. If you, you can go online and read about it. It's there. It's, very, it's not anything hidden. Uh, the, the last, I just, I don't know if it was this week or last week. I think it was this week, but it was last week. Anyway, just in the last week or so, I was reading, and he, they pointed out that it will probably be about a year before it actually happens. Now, it's, yeah, which it means this year. Yeah. And you know what that means. In fact, my son was telling me yesterday, I think, that they've already done it in China. They've actually... Uh, they closed down the banks. They actually put, I think he told me, they actually put uh, tanks in front of the banks and, re- and did away with money completely. They are on a complete cashless society now. That is what this article said. It says there's 114 countries that are already gone that direction, and the United States decided to get into the arena because they didn't want to be the last. They probably want to be the head, the head not the tail, knowing our country. <laughs> So they are in full swing to make this happen. And you know what that means? That means they'll have full control. Because there won't be any... Uh, and, I, and I just shared this with a, a friend of mine who is very wealthy. And he had never even heard about this. And in fact, he really... Uh, he didn't even believe it could happen. He really didn't believe it could happen. And I said, no, it's, it's going to happen. And Walter Veith, if you've watched any of his videos about it, he makes it very clear. It's, it's going to happen. And he, he gives quite a few reasons why and, and evidence for it. So you and I need to have a faith that's grounded in the Word of God. We need to have a faith that's grounded in an experience with God because if we don't gain that experience today, we will not gain it in the time of trouble. Today is our privilege to know God. Today is our privilege to taste and see that the Lord is good. Today, folks, let's not put it off. Today is the day. Let us seek the Lord while he may be found. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We do know that there's trouble dead ahead, though. That we do know. Prophecy indicates that. Now, the sermon that I watched by Walter Veith, he points out that the Sabbath is just an important part of this message 
as the gospel part of the message. Because knowing Jesus Christ leads us to obedience. And we can see that in John chapter 14. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Get my iPad to cooperate with me here. No, excuse me. It's John 15. Excuse me. John chapter 15. And I'm going to start with verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, if we go on down a a little bit further, it says, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Now, you can look at that and say, command, that's not something that is out of love, is it? That's just, that's a command. And that we, we shun from dictatorship or, or control, especially from control people who control us or want to control us. And of course, I just mentioned a, a, a situation where our country is going to have absolute control over us. I think Spirit of Prophecy points out very clearly we will lose all of our freedoms. And it'll happen right here in this country. All. So, what is Jesus saying here when he says, if you do whatever I command you? Is this a dictatorial command? Is this a command without love? No, it's not. It's a total difference. You see, there's a, there's a statement, and I, in fact, I did find that statement. I should read that statement to you. Uh, give me just a moment here. There's a statement here that is in Acts of the Apostles, page 15, paragraph 1. As the faith that works by love and purifies the soul could find no place for union with the religion of the Pharisees that was made up of ceremonies and the injunctions of men. So, here we have Jesus commanding us to keep his commandments. But what did Jesus do to help us so that we do that out of love? Well, he laid down his life for us. He has given us promises after promises after promises what he will do for us. And you see, where I think we mess up is when we focus on what I am doing. I'm the ones keeping the commandments. And that's the wrong way to look at it. You see, it's not a matter of me keeping the commandments because I can't keep them without the grace of God. You see, I am dependent upon his spirit, his love flowing into my heart in order for me to be able to keep his commandments. But with his love in my heart, I can obey him. Because it gives me a whole different outlook, a whole different perspective, a whole different attitude. It is my privilege to honor his holy law. It's my privilege to keep the Sabbath holy. You see? And it is my duty. 
But I want you to notice this thought. I'm going to read this whole paragraph now to you that I just shared that one sentence out of. Priests and rulers became fixed in a rut of ceremonialism. Now, honestly, folks, all of us can fall into this. I have prayed many times to the Lord, Lord, help me so my prayers are real and not just rotes. If you know what I'm saying, help me so that my prayer is a real prayer and I'm not just praying something I've prayed over and over and over and over. Help me so that my relationship with you is an active relationship and not just a formality. Okay? Let me read on. There, they were satisfied with a legal religion. And it was impossible for them to give to others the living truths of heaven. They thought their own righteousness all sufficient. And they did not desire that a new element should be brought into their religion. The goodwill of God to men they did not accept as something apart from themselves. So God didn't show them favor unless they did something to earn that favor. You get it? So they did not accept God's goodwill towards us as something that was apart from ourselves. Let me read it one more time. The goodwill of God to men they did not accept as something apart from themselves, but connected it with their own merit because of their good works. The faith that works by love and purifies the soul could find no place for union with the religion of the Pharisees that was made up of ceremonies and the injunctions of men. Now, does that mean those ceremonies were bad? No, God gave them those ceremonies. The problem was is that they warped it into a merit relationship, which is the foundation of all heathen religions. You earn the favor of your God. But that doesn't mean that God's law is, is, is unholy or God's law is not needed. God's law is the foundation of the universe. Without that law, our universe would not be stable. It wouldn't exist, first of all, because it is the rock-solid bottom that holds this the whole thing together. And so these men looked at that, his, these ceremonies, these things that God had given to them as some way that they earned his favor. And we need to recognize that we don't do anything during God's favor. We have his favor. Romans 5.8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. And that's the good news. I want to read to you one other, uh, <clears throat> one other comment that I, I found in the Spirit of Prophecy, which I think is so, so interesting. I wished all of you could look this up and read this whole section. This is taken from Signs of the Times, December 30, 1889. And if you have the Spirit of Prophecy on your iPad or your phone, you can look this up. December 30, 1889. <clears throat> it's called What Was Secured by the Death of Christ. I'm not going to read it because it's a, it's a whole section. You need to, uh, honestly, it's worth your time. Please, if you have the Spirit of Prophecy on your phone or on your iPad, look it up. Or on your computer, look it up. But I want to share this one section with you. Okay. It says, If men would contemplate the love of Christ displayed in the cross, their faith would be strengthened to appropriate the merits of his shed blood. And they would be cleansed 
and saved from sin. If men would contemplate the love of Christ displayed in the cross, their faith would be strengthened to appropriate the merits of his shed blood, and they would be cleansed and saved. Now this next paragraph is the one I want you to really catch. There are many who will be lost because they depend on legal religion or mere repentance for sin. There are many who will be lost because they depend on legal religion. You see, God's looking for a cheerful heart, a heart that finds joy in worshiping him. You remember the scripture, God loves a cheerful giver. We talk about offerings and tithes this quarter. God wants our tithes and offerings, but how does he want it? He wants it from a thankful heart. He wants it to be something that we delight in, to share with him. It's our privilege to give him our tithes and our offerings. It is our duty, but it is a, is a good duty. It is our blessing to share with him. You know, another, another. if you're taking notes, another important scripture that you need to pay attention to is Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first part of it is what God would do for his people. He would bless them richly if they would obey his commandments. The last part of it is what would happen to them if they did not honor him, if they did not follow him. But the interesting point is that there, the first part when he says, if you will hearken to my voice. Now, I thought that was interesting because if you go to Romans chapter 8, I believe Romans chapter 8 is all about the voice of God, which is the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. You see, it's only through this Holy Spirit that we can actually see the love of God and experience it. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can share the gospel. So you and I need to be asking for a gift of the Holy Spirit daily. We need to be claiming this promises that God will give us his spirit if we ask him. You know, I, God wants to bless us. He wants us to be blessed. But he doesn't want us to forget him either. Many times when people are richly blessed, they forget God. And so whatever it is that God gives to you, be grateful for it. If he gives you an abundance, be thankful for it and don't forget where you got it. If he gives you a little, be thankful for it. You remember the offering that God praised or that Jesus praised in the temple was the woman who gave her two mites. So it's not so much about the size of the gift. It's more about the heart behind the gift. What, what is motivating you to give the gift? You see, that's what's important to God. And God wants our love. He wants our fellowship. He wants, he wants us to be his friends. He says, you are my friends. Back in John chapter 15, we were there. He says, you are my friends. I don't hide anything from you. I'm telling you that you are my friends. You see, you and I have the privilege of being friends with the creator God of the universe. And that's a privilege. Well, uh, I, I just... I just want to thank God this morning 
that he has called us. You know, John 15, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's John 15, 16, I believe it is. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And I just pray that every one of us will agree with God that we are his. And that, and that, we, will, we, will, that we will cooperate with him. Lord, help me. Protect me from myself because I, you know that song says, prone to wonder, Lord, my heart is prone to wonder. Well, it's so very true. All of us are prone to wonder. But, but praise God, he is faithful. You know, in the Desire of Ages, it talked about Peter, and Jesus tried to help Peter. He says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And the good news was she said, but Jesus would have kept him if he would have asked Jesus to keep him. And so the good news for us this morning is that Jesus will keep you and I. All we got to do is ask him. All we got to do is come to him. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What is his yoke? His yoke is his law. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not a thing to be grasped beyond equality with God, but humbled himself to become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, Jesus has given us everything we need in his promises. Let us hide those promises in our hearts so they are an active part of our thinking day by day. So that they are what we walk in. They are the thoughts that we think. You know, Philippians 4, 8 says, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, think on these things. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You see? So, God has given us everything we need. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will perform it. There's another statement in Spirit of Prophecy, and I don't remember where this one is. I just remember it. And this is what it says. God will save us if we do not interpose a perverse will. He is in the business of saving us. He just says, let me, let me save you. Cooperate with me. You know? Just let me save you. <laughs> yeah, let me do it. Let this mind dwell in you. And so this morning, I just pray that the Lord will help me, help each one of us to be faithful. You know, he that perseveres unto the end, the same shall be saved. Lord, help us not to weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Shall we pray? Dear Father in heaven, we recognize that it's because of you that we have hope. It's because of your faithfulness and your goodness that we can look forward to tomorrow. And so, Lord, continue to strengthen our faith in you so that we might truly not only proclaim the gospel with our lips, but that we might walk it day by day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.